When we talk about communication, and ever, you know, if you Google what are the keys to communication, or I did this very scientific study, I asked my friends on Facebook what they thought the key to communication was, and everyone says listening, which is absolutely true. But there is, there has to be a presence to that. You can't hear. You're listening to the Candy Shop Talk podcast brought to you by Talent Board and the Candidate Experience Awards Benchmark Research and hosted by Kevin W. Grossman. Talent Board is the first nonprofit research organization focused on elevating and promoting a quality candidate experience. The Candy Shop Talk podcast welcomes Dr. Kathy Gruber, an in-demand communication and stress speaker who uses a combination of humor, performance background, real-life experience, and formal education. And she's speaking at the 2019 California HR Conference. Listen in on how improving candidate experience impacts recruiting in the business bottom line. Hey, everybody. Kevin Grossman, president of Talent Board. If improving your recruiting processes and the candidate experience for both external and internal candidates are key priorities for you and your organization, then we highly recommend you register for our 2019 North American Candy Symposium and Awards Gala in Washington, D.C. on October 14th. We have a full day of amazing speakers and sessions, and we're also doing this event in conjunction with the ERE Recruiting Conference on October 15th and 16th. So the evening of the 14th, you can come join us at the joint reception with the ERE. And then that evening could enjoy our gala awards dinner where we celebrate the 2019 North American Candy Experience Awards winners, companies that have the highest positive candidate ratings in our research and enjoy a dinner and award ceremony. Just go to the talentboard.org and click on the Candy Symposium and Awards Gala link. And then you can register with code CE19VIP to save $50 off an already very reasonable registration price. We hope to see you in DC on October 14th. Now enjoy the podcast. Kathy, thank you so much for joining me on the Candy Shop Talk podcast. Before we dive into the rest of the show, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do today? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I live in Santa Barbara, California, where I started out here almost 20 years ago with a, of all things, a massage practice. Massage therapy was always something that I was interested in. It ran parallel to my background as a performer. I grew up being an actor. I was a theater major. And I thought massage would be this great addition to add to those you know, award-winning film roles when I landed in Los Angeles. And the massage continued and the film roles never came. So <laughs> that was uh, where my healing background started. And then I expanded the massage practice into things like Reiki and homeopathics and herbs and then started studying mind-body medicine. I got my master's and PhD and started writing books and doing more talks, which was the perfect thing for me because it brought the acting back in to the healing work that I was doing. So I just found that the more yes I say to things and follow those breadcrumbs, it sort of brought me to where I am now. So I'm working on my eighth book. I just did my second TEDx and I've traveled around the world speaking and teaching people things like mind-body medicine, mindfulness, communication, leadership. Uh, I'm working on a values program right now. So yeah, it's um, it's been an interesting journey. Yeah, <laughs> I you know don't know where it ends, but it's 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 been fascinating. And it should, but it should never end, right? I mean, that's right. that's. I mean, it, it's we're we're constantly going, we're constantly learning. And by the way, I was laughing with you, not at you. Yeah, oh no, I was earlier. Well, and and I always joke about myself that I play HR and recruiting on TV, so right. it's it's all and radio for that matter, right? And right, podcasts, exactly. and it's 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 great. It's a fascinating background. My mother-in-law is very much into the Reiki and, and, and spiritual healing and a lot of things that you referenced. My wife is a, a physical therapist as well. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. And I get some of that and because I'm in my elder age, there's a things that I need and it's great to have a doctor of PT at home to help me 
with, yes. with, with that stuff as well. Now, Kathy, you're going to be speaking at the 2019 California HR conference talking about communication mastery and learn to get anything done with, with anyone, which is no easy task, right? <laughs> so why don't you give us kind of the big picture about that topic first? Yeah, you know, when we talk about communication, there's there's a couple aspects to this that I like to cover. One of which is when we talk about communication and ever, you know, if you Google what are the keys to communication or I did this very scientific study, I asked my friends on Facebook what they thought <laughs> the key to communication was and everyone says listening, which is absolutely true. But there is there has to be a presence to that. You can't hear if you're not here. And you can still do the active listening thing where you're mm, and you're nodding your head and you're doing that thing and you're still thinking about lunch or the boyfriend or that girl's cute over there or, you know, so it's about presence. It's about decreasing that stress. So we're going to address that a little bit. And the other thing is in this communication loop, it's really simple. I have something to communicate. I throw it to you. You process it and throw it back. It should be really easy, right? But in any one of those steps, something gets mucked up along the way. And we assume that we're fabulous communicators. Everybody I know thinks they're the best communicator ever. And when communication goes wrong, they assume it's the other person. Just like what, I'm a huge NFL fan. So just like when you're watching the football game and the quarterback does this great pass and the receiver misses it, you assume the receiver somehow screwed up. Well, maybe the quarterback threw it off. Maybe it was the wrong pattern. Maybe it could have been, it could have gone awry at any one of those steps. And so we can't change anybody else as much as we'd like to. So I work on talking about different communication styles, how we can adjust ourselves to adapt to that person that we're talking to, how we can get that football to that receiver every single time by adjusting what we do. So that's all we have control of. So I impart a couple, um, a couple tips and tricks on how to figure out how other people communicate and how we can match that and get that communication to them efficiently and effectively. So Kathy, if we can get the right helmet for Antonio Brown, <laughs> this is going to be the Raiders year. I'm telling okay. you. So okay. So first of all, I just have to say, I'm a huge Steelers fan. Ah. So, so there's part of me that's kind of sitting back and going. <laughs> <laughs> I know, exactly. I know. I'm a, I go way back in the day, Raiders fan, growing up as uh. a child, the Madden years. Yes. And so and then I kind of went away for a while. I was a Rams fan with my father in the 80s until they moved to St. Louis. Now, now they're back in LA, but that's all right. And actually, I have a pretty good team as well. But now back to being a Raiders fan, which is soon to be Vegas. But I love the analogy, though. I think that's a great example of what you're talking about with communication. And presence is so important, right? Whether we're talking to our children or to our coworkers or to our team members or people who report to us, it's highly, highly important. So are there, I mean, are there different kinds of communication styles that we should be... At, be paying attention to cultural considerations. I mean, what, what kind of expand out that way as well? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing it's it's interesting. I like to watch CNN mainly because I mean, other than the massive crush I crush I have on Anderson Cooper, which is very inappropriate. <laughs> this whole other thing. Uh, I don't think he'd like me. I'm not his type. But um, I love watching CNN because they have these pundits on, and no matter which side of the aisle you're on, they they typically say one of two things when they start their sentence. They either say, "Look," blah 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 blah. Or they say, listen, blah, 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 blah. That is a huge key into how they communicate and how they process information. I am a visual kinesthetic. I want you in my office looking at your face. I want to see your gestures. This is how I get information. If you turn an audiobook on for me, you might as well play white noise. I ain't getting it. <laughs> Whereas somebody else who's more auditory, they are totally fine not looking at my PowerPoint having a conversation over the phone, if you can detect right off how this person likes to communicate, you can use words that fit that style of communication and you can build more rapport with them. So if you're talking to me and you say things like, look, I totally see where you're coming from. 
I feel that. That's going to resonate with me more than I hear you. It just does. It's those words that I pick up. And the other thing is that physicality and so much of our communication, what, like 90% or 85% or something is nonverbal communication. And this is one of the things we've lost in doing so much, you know, computer stuff and tech stuff. We're losing that look at your facial expression, look at your body language. The other thing I talk about is controlling what your face is doing. <laughs> because I know for me, my face does things I'm like, oh, you know, I'll make this vast facial expression when someone tells me something and I think, oh, that was inappropriate. Probably I roll, controlled. I roll, I oh roll. Oh my God. Drove my husband crazy. Stop rolling your eyes at me. You're like a 13 year old girl. I'm stop saying things that are stupid. I don't know what to tell you. So it's important to control what we're doing and what we're saying and how we come across. And so I talk about body language and the interesting takeaway that most people get is where your feet are pointing. We can get into that in the talk. I don't want to give too much away. But, you know, yeah, I talk about those communication styles. And then there's the, you know, the dominant, the submissive and the introvert, extrovert. I'm very extroverted. I'm very high energy. You can tell that even over just audio. So imagine if I'm trying to get work done with someone who is a massively shy introvert, I cannot come at them as big as I normally do. I've got to tone it down. I've got to be a little more quiet. I've got to be a little more reserved. I'm going to figure out if they're auditory or visual. I'm going to pick up some of their keywords. I'm going to match their physicality and I'm going to build rapport that way. That's the way to get things done. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I I think it's even even more complex than that too, right? Because we're all we're all so much on different different parts of of the spectrums of communication Mm -hmm. of what we talk about. I know I'm my wife and I are big readers. I'm also a very very auditory, so I love podcasts and I'm I'm totally comfortable you know listening. My daughter who uh, at an early age had some some delays with what's called a t- auditory processing disorder. There's a filtering issue with what she hears. So there's too much stimuli coming in. So she's more of a visual person yeah. and needs to have that visual those visual cues, um, which is a good thing, right? Cuz I think social media is killing us anyway. But Ugh. that's yeah. that's another story for another time. So <laughs> So speaking of the written word though, right? Because mm-hmm. we get in so much trouble writing poorly written emails, texts, right? The whole thing about checking ourselves before we wreck ourselves. I mean, wh- we should be doing that, number one. What do you recommend when it comes to what written communication? Because that's still a big part of what we do in the world of work. Absolutely. And I think it's going to get bigger. I think we're actually, you know, I was just at a hypnotherapy conference. I'm a hypnotherapist as well, which is where a lot of this communication stuff came from. And they were talking about how we're going to be doing the majority of our work in the future from our smartphones and tablets. I have so many clients who are in their 20s and early 30s who they don't even have to go to work. I mean, like they do everything remotely. So this communication thing is going to get harder because the two things we learn first as a child when we learn to communicate is tone of voice and facial expression. Those are the two things that before we can even process language, those are the two things we understand. And now we're not getting that. We're getting a text message. And thank God we now have the eye roll emoji because how would I possibly communicate? <laughs> I, I use that thing so much. Like, Pop, do you want to use the eye roll emoji? Yeah, you're right. I, I, I do. It's a thing for me. So, But you know, we can make the smiley face or we can make the goofy smiley face or we can stick the tongue out or do the uh, face, which I don't even know what the heck that means. That's that's now become our facial expression. And, really, and, gifts, and gifts, by the way, too, yes. are gifts. Jim, is it GIF or GIF? Is it GIF? I think GIF is peanut butter. I think GIF I is, know. yeah, yeah. I think but you know GIF. what I mean, though. Those, yeah, visuals, totally. those visuals are the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This is so pathetic we're having this conversation. I mean, it's fascinating <laughs> because, oh my God, could you imagine us trying to figure this out 15, 20 years ago? What the I hell? Know. Why are you putting peanut butter on your phone? You have a phone uh, in your pocket. Yeah, exactly. it's crazy. But the, the, the problem with this is communication is also interpretation. And I remember I had done a conference back in Baltimore. And I was selling my books. And the woman who was running the bookstore said, 
well, I don't know, you know, why don't we leave five of your books, whatever you don't sell, I'll take to my bookstore. I'm like, okay, fine. So a couple of days later, I wrote to her, I said, hey, how'd the book selling go? What do you owe me? Da, 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 da. She goes, wow, you know what? I sold every book. And in fact, people asked for more. I was kind of bummed. I wish I would have left more books. So I said to her, I knew I should have left more books. That can be interpreted numerous ways. That could just be beating myself up going, ah, I should have left more books. Or that could have been, I told you I should have left more books. She's going to put on whatever tone she hears. And this is the problem with the texting and the emails is I don't know what mood they're in. I don't know how they're going to read and interpret what I've just said. And she took it wrong because she never got back to me. I didn't get my, I mean, like I had to fight to get my money out of her. She was supposed to book me on a future conference and it didn't happen. I mean, it's just somewhere there was a communication breakdown. And then that's the other thing that's hard, which is our responsibility is where did it happen and whose fault is it? Because there's also been times where we, oh no, they probably took that wrong. Oh, they didn't get back to me. And then we ruminate about something got screwed up. And we're like, I'm so sorry I said that. They're like, what are you talking about? I was on vacation. I didn't get your email yet. There's this, do I know that to be true? Which is something I ask people to ask themselves all the time. We jump to conclusions. We personalize things. We take things very extraordinarily personally. And in reality, if we don't know that to be true, feelings are not facts. That's one of the NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming presuppositions. Feelings are not facts. Let's get the facts before we jump to those conclusions. So that's another part of the whole email text thing is ask questions. Extremely important. And, you know, and th- then throw in the, the Tower of Babel issue with just language and cultural considerations. I used to do right. work at a high tech marketing firm in Silicon Valley back in the dot com heyday. And we did a lot of product launches. A lot of my accounts were Hewlett Packard, the printer division, Inkjet. We did a lot of translations in the, on the packaging in, in country, right? And I'm exaggerating in this example I'm about to say. So I'm I'm already setting up my segue or my, my comedy bit here, but that, you know, you would write insert cartridge here. And then if you didn't do the translation, right, you know, wrap your chicken in wax paper. Right. Right. (laughs) I mean, something like, but you have to, I mean, it's really, but that that even complicates further when you're dealing with people who, again, maybe English is, is their second language or third language or English as a first language is your second language, which is another story for a lot of us in this country. But anyway, that said, what you also do, you you incorporate improvisation in your communication work. What is that about? To me, I think every experience we've ever had culminates in this weird soup to be who we are now. And I started doing improv when I was in seventh grade. It was part of my acting background. Who's it, when I have spare time, I'm not watching cat videos. I'm watching Whose Line Is It Anyway? I love those exercises. Every executive, everybody in human resources, everybody that has to communicate, oh, whoop, that would be all of us. We should take an improv class. Not because we need to be funny. And I've sure. dragged so many people to improv class and go, well, I'm not funny. It's not about being funny. It's about closing loops. It's about circling back to things. It's about thinking on your feet. It's about yes and, because that is one of the pivotal parts of improv is yes and. I tell everybody to stop saying the word but. But does not work. You have erased everything that you said before it by saying but. Oh, I'm so sorry, but you were stupid. Oh, you know, I'm really sorry, but you deserved it. I love you, but who wants to hear I love you, but nobody wants to hear I love you, but because it's not going to be a good ending to that story. So yes, and I love you. And I'm in a place in my life where I can't be with you right now. Oh, seems a little more kind or whatever it is. So changing your butts to and is a huge thing. So and, and just that that circling back, reincorporating and listening. Improv is about listening. Because if you don't hear what that person just said, you can't respond in a way that moves that story forward. It's about you know, there's so many aspects. I mean, I, I've started doing actual improv 
training for people, which is just so much fun. But yeah, it's fun. And it, it just, it's, it's a training ground. It's a training ground for communication. My wife, <laughs> I'm laughing because she gives me such, she gives me such a bad time because I, I'm infamous for doing that. And I really make a conscious effort now to, to, to change, to remove butt because mm. every time I do that, and she'll listen to my podcasts or read some of the, my writing that I do for the research organization, whatever. She'll say, look, see what you just did there? You erased everything you just said before that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, so I really, and, I'm, and it's hard. It's really hard because wow. I know in my head what I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. why I'm inj- injecting that. But, but you really do negate everything before that when you insert the, so that. So that's a really good lesson for us all. Right. Can you give us an example, though, of like what one exercise you would do with the improv? Improv? Sure, absolutely. Um, <laughs> first of all, it also gets you out of your comfort zone, which I think is important because people, we talk about public speaking. You know, if you're out of your house, you're public speaking. It, you know, if you're having a conversation other than yourself in the car, which I do all the time because I'm an only child, thank God we have Bluetooth now and people just <laughs> assume I'm on some conference call. I'm chattering away. So there's something called a three line drill, which now if I was doing an actual, I'm not going to do this in my talk next week because we don't have time to get people up and do this, but there's something called a three line drill where one person enters the person A enters the scene and makes a statement. I'm ready for dinner. Person B, who's already in the scene, says, great, I made chicken. The the person A (laughs) then has to respond to that. You know I hate chicken. So it's a matter of listening. It's a matter of moving that scene forward. It's about not negating things. So if I walk in and I say, our children are ready for school, and you say, we don't have children. I mean, that's funny. That's funny, but it doesn't move the scene for you. You've just negated what I've said. So if you're doing business, if you're trying to get a contract signed and you're negating what I'm saying, there's certain keywords that move things forward in improv. You can say, I hate our kids. That's still funny. And you're acknowledging what I just said of, yes, we have children. So I mean, it's just about, it's about moving things forward and especially in negotiations and in trying to land contracts and then trying to do conflict resolution, which I'll touch on teeny little bit in my talk. I just, it's, there's, I only get like an hour and 10 minutes. So there's only so much time to do, but yeah, conflict resolution, you want to hear and you want to move things forward and not negate what each other just said, because then someone's going to get their feelings hurt. So how do you meet everybody's needs in good communication? It's a dance. It really is. It's, it's a challenge. So Kathy, I really like your chicken, <laughs> but I would Thank rather you. have tacos tonight. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Make your own damn tacos. I know. See, that's, I, I get it. No, that's, that's, I can, that's great. I can't, I can't wait for your session. Now kind of bringing it back home to the talent board research that we do, which is primarily focused on candidate experience and employee experience in the context of as an employee, we're constantly having to be re-recruited to be retained. One of the biggest differentiators that we see on a regular basis year after year in our data and research is that consistent communication and feedback loops always create more of a perceived fairness with candidates and have and candidates always come in with higher positive candidate ratings when they feel they're being engaged and communicated with on a regular basis. Okay. When it comes to recruiting and retention and this work that you do for communication, what are some of the candidate and employee experience considerations that you think employers should be paying attention to? And again, you touched on a lot of it already in this, but mm-hmm. what, drilling in on that because again, you know, we need folks the right folks to work for us on a regular basis. Right. 
because we got to talk to them, right? Too. Absolutely. And you know, there's there's a huge debate right now about whether personality testing does anything. Right. Whether it's being used against people. And I heard an interview on NPR where people were fired or or, or taken out of positions that they were incredibly successful in because some you know consultant swooped in at a very high fee, gave personality testing, and went, "Jane can't do that job," exactly. even though she's been doing that job successfully for 20 years. And suddenly, Jane's going, "Wait, what now?" I roll, you know, insert eye roll here. I think it's important to figure out how people communicate and match that. I, I think that is vastly important. If you know your boss is a visual person and you have to have a tough conversation with them, get in their office, match their body language, build that rapport. Talking to me on the phone is not a huge thing. I couldn't figure out when I was a kid why I hated going to concerts, but I love going to dance shows. Well, first of all, I'm a dancer, but I'm a visual kinesthetic. So yeah. you put me in a classical music show where there's nothing dynamic happening, I'm out. <laughs> like you might as well just, again, put on white noise and let me snooze. It doesn't right. engage me. Figure out how people communicate and pair those people up. Introverts and extroverts have to get along. They have to mix. The other thing that is huge to me, and I, I, I don't touch on this in the communication talk, though I'm building an entire program around this, is values. And what are the company's core values? Communicate those to the staff and those people that you're going to be hiring. Because if the company's values are autonomy, fun, and service to others, that's a very different company than if their values are (laughs) wealth, power, fame. You know, I don't know any company that would admit their values are wealth, power, and fame. But knowing what the company's values are and communicating that to people you're onboarding is going to be vastly important so that you're all on the same page. And from that point forward, any decisions that's made come from those that are these in line with our values? Are these in line with our mission statement? And I think explaining to staff and employees why certain decisions are made is huge. That's a huge part of communication. When we're little kids, we're asking why all the time. And someone the other day very wisely said, little kids ask why, adults ask how. How can we get that thing done? But I think if we know the why it's getting done, then we're more apt to do the how. People are going to be more helpful if they understand the why behind these decisions that are being made. And I think so often people are kept in the dark and then they resist. They don't understand what's going on and it creates problems. I couldn't agree with you more. We find that the organizations that we're working with a talent board that are willing to provide even a modicum of job specific related feedback to candidates who they're rejecting, because again, that's the majority of folks that we speak with in recruiting. One in 99 are going to get hired for any given job. So it's the business of no, unfortunately. Any company that's willing to give that little bit of feedback, it goes miles and miles or kilometers, depending where you're at in the world. Right, exactly. And and another one of the, I brought up a little bit of NLP, the neuro-linguistic programming. One of the other presuppositions is there's no failure, there's only feedback. So if you know why you didn't, why, 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 why didn't you get the job? Well, you didn't, you didn't have this qualification. You were great. You're our second choice. Someone got it ahead of you. I mean, all of that is so important to know. Or you right. blew your interview. You had food in your teeth. You look like my aunt who I hate. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, why did you not get the job? I used to ask when I was an actor, I used to contact directors and say, why did I not get that role? Oh, well, the leading man that we picked is only 5'2", and you're 5'8". Oh, all right. It's not me. You're not rejecting me. You're rejecting the fact that I'm 5'8", and he, you picked the short guy to be the lead. You can't take these things personally. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Kathy, the last thing I always like to ask my guests in this podcast is we're, we're working all the time, right? We're working mm. even when it's fun, which we hope it's some fun sometimes, at least when we're working. But outside of work, what else does Kathy like to do? Hobbies, <laughs> et cetera. What do you like to do? 
<laughs> oh, that's such a good question, Kevin. Okay. Um, so I'm a trapeze artist. Wow. See now, so wait, hold on. Stop. Wait. No, <laughs> no, no, no. So the, everything that you told me in the beginning and now you're telling me you're a trapeze artist. Okay. All you right. just now asked. Wow, I did. You're right. That's fascinating. So were you in the first Cirque du Soleil that I saw or what? What's oh, that? yeah, yeah. When they do the, the middle-aged, uh, yeah, if they need the, the chubby, uncoordinated person, that, no, I'm not chubby. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's funny. No, I, I've been doing trapeze for about six years. Uh, I was just in Vegas at, where I was flying at my favorite trapeze rig. And last year I flew with a couple Cirque du Soleil performers. So wow. the guy that I did my catch with at the end of the class actually went on to catch a show the next night. And the woman who was helping me on the board, getting the bar to me and everything, she was flying in Mystere the next night. I fly in Santa Monica all the time. In fact, on my way to the conference next week, I'm stopping in Santa Monica and doing my trapeze class. And I'm also a hip hop dancer. So yeah, I have a very interesting... Um, interesting life. Can you do all those things during your session for, for us, please? The, the dancing I could definitely do. The trapeze is going to be tough unless you want to have them rig something really quick for me. I mean, I can... I don't even know if they're going to have the liability insurance for that anyway, so... I carry my own. <laughs> oh, see, there you go. That's fascinating. Be well, prepared. Kathy, <laughs> you have to be prepared, exactly. So, Kathy, thanks so much for being on the Candy Shop Talk podcast and so look forward to your session and, and meeting you at the conference as well. Oh, thanks. I'm so excited to be there. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Candy Shop Talk podcast. For more information about Talent Board and the Candidate Experience Awards and Benchmark Research, visit www.thetalentboard.org.